This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. Instant reaction. Clash of Champions 2009. You may be able to hear it in the background. Let me see if you can hear it. Yeah, there it is in the background. It just ends. Seth Rollins defeated Braun Strowman. He retained the Universal Championship. I'm a little down because uh, about five minutes before the main event ended, the Mets lost to the L.A. Dodgers. And I will say this for the... 507th time in 2019 okay now they're dead okay now they're done just an absolutely brutal loss that we will get into on the midday show which you can hear monday through friday at 10 a.m i am actually going to keep this to wrestling because there was a pay-per-view a special event whatever you want to call it and and i got to admit i have taken a lot of pride in the fact that over the last 15 months since I started this dopey podcast, that I've always done an instant reaction to every WWE pay-per-view. It's it's this weird, I guess it's an OCD thing that I have, that I started the podcast, I said I was going to do instant reactions to every pay-per-view, and I never want to stop. I never want to not do it for a pay-per-view, even if there's a Sunday night football game that's very appealing and the Giants are playing. Or in this case, the Mets are playing a Sunday night game and simultaneously, it's the fantasy baseball semifinals that came down to the freaking wire. So I watched the pay-per-view as much as you could possibly imagine I watched it. I set it up on an iPad. My main focus was obviously the Mets and Dodger game, a little bit of the Eagle-Falcon game. And so... I watched it, but it wasn't the super intent watching that I'll do for most pay-per-views. In fact, at about 6.25 tonight, I said to my wife, holy crap, there's a wrestling event tonight. (laughs) Because usually, I don't forget, because usually in my brain I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to stay up late and I'm going to do this stupid podcast. But here we are. Anyhow, enough of the BS. I got to tell you, I thought the main event was great. We just finished it. Seth Rollins defeated Braun Strowman to retain the Universal Championship, which is not a surprise. I mean, I didn't think for a second that they were going to put the belt on Braun Strowman. And I got to give the WWE credit. I know that Brock Lesnar had the Universal title for this period of time, a small period of time, you know, a nice period of time. But they really have kept the championships on the guys that ended WrestleMania, yeah, and they've done a very good job of that. Oh, wait a second. Wait, well, hold on. The Fiend is showing up. You see, this is what happens when you start the podcast before it definitely, definitely ends. Ah, okay, that's a nice ending. And I think they had to do that because now we're all intrigued by the Fiend Bray Wyatt likely getting a universal title shot. And that leads me to this. So what I was saying Good ending, by the way. I like that ending, the Clash of Champions. They had me fooled. I thought it was over. I thought Seth won. That's it. Let's call it a day. 
Oh wait, is he about to say something? Oh, let me let me let me turn the volume up. Oh no, he's just holding his head and staring down at Seth Rollins. That's a pretty dramatic ending, and he gives him the mandible claw, which I like. Bringing back the old mandible claw. I tell you, as freaky as this fiend Bray Wyatt is, they actually have stunningly done a great job of bringing this character back. Because Bray Wyatt was going through the motions for so long. Now, he had some great promos and some pretty good matches years ago, but he always seemed to lose and, you know, was never really going anywhere. He was kind of circling around, especially when they had that dopey feud with Matt Hardy. They sent him away for so long, and I was skeptical about when they brought him back, what he would be. And we talked about this on the last Instant Reaction podcast. I like The Fiend. I think it's damn appealing, and clearly they end the show by setting up the fact that he's going to fight Seth Rollins probably at the next event, which is Hell in a Cell. And so what I was saying before is that the WWE has done a very good job of keeping the main belts on the guys that finished WrestleMania, Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins. But we are now about to enter October. Barring any kind of title change on Raw or SmackDown, which we never see, these champions will have had about a six-month run as champion. And I, and I get it, Seth lost the Universal title with the whole Brock Lesnar thing, but it was like a blip. I mean, we should, we should actually forget about it. We should forget that it even occurred. So we are getting to that moment now where maybe it is time to see a new champion. And I, I think they're going to have to put the belt on Bray Wyatt. I think they have to. How can you kill his momentum? Because think about this. So this main event was a really good match. I thought there were some really cool spots. I thought Seth going for his curb stop numerous times and not being able to finish him was cool. I thought uh, Braun turning it into his big power slam and then Seth escaping. Like, there were a lot of really cool spots in this match, a lot of violence in this match, table shots. It had it all. It was very good. But let's face it. What the hell happens to Braun Strowman now? I mean, they gave you a month where they gave you this angle of, oh, they're a tag team. Oh, they're tag team champions. Oh, they're going to have to defend the titles on the same night. Oh, we're just stunned that one of them cost the other guy the match and they lost the tag titles. Come on. We all saw that coming. That was obvious. But let's face it, that story went nowhere. They did it for a month. They tried to entertain us. They tried to keep you interested. And now it's over. Now we move on. They can't do that with Bray Wyatt. They can't have Bray Wyatt, the fiend, attack Seth Rollins to close this pay-per-view, this special event. I'm working on not saying pay-per-view. Have them fight for the title and just have Seth beat him. That's not going to happen. Now, maybe they'll have a schmoz finish, which we saw a little bit tonight, to keep feuds going on. And we saw it with Randy Orton, Kofi Kingston a month ago. But I, I think it may have to end with the fiend winning the championship. And don't tell me he doesn't need the belt. All right? He may not need the belt, but the belt may need him. Does that even make any sense? I don't even know. But I like the main event. It was very, very good. You know what may have been the best match of the night, though, even though it gave you no finish? Becky and Sasha. That was a very good match. And as I'm watching it, I, and I always say this, when I'm watching a match, I think, okay, here's who's going to win. And usually we have an idea as fans who's going to win, and that's a problem. You want to be surprised. So for that opening match of the night where Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode are challenging for the Raw Tag Team titles, come on, we all knew that Seth and Braun Strowman were going to somehow cost each other the tag team titles. And so what ended up happening is Braun bumps into Seth. Oh, my God, look what happened. Roode drops the glorious DDT. Good night, see you later. You knew that was going to happen. I'm watching 
the Becky Sasha match, glancing at the Becky Sasha match, because obviously the focus was on something else, focus on the Mets. Uh, and I keep thinking to myself, who the hell is going to win this match? Because, like I said with Bray, you don't bring somebody back dramatically, somebody that's a star, somebody that you want to build for a few months now and have them lose right away. You don't want to do that. You don't want to have Sasha Banks come back and lose. Now, you want to have Sasha Banks come back and win? Okay, fine. You want to put the belt on her right out of the gate? That's cool. I don't have a problem with that. But the question is, are you ready to take the belt off Becky Lynch? Becky closed WrestleMania as the double champion. Now, we knew it wasn't going to last, and I had no problem with that, taking one of the belts off of her. So as I'm watching this great match, it started to pop in my head right as it happened. Wow, they're going to schmoz this thing. They have to because they really want to continue this feud for a couple of months. The problem I had with the end, and again, the match was great. I think pound for pound, best match of the night. You could argue better than Seth Rollins against Braun Strowman, mainly because I think we all knew how it was going to end. You knew Braun Strowman wasn't getting the Universal Championship. Give me a break. He's never going to win the Universal Championship. I know that's a very declarative statement. I'm going to say it. Braun Strowman is never winning the title. Every time they've given him a push, it has stopped. It has gone away. It ain't happening. But anyhow, the end of Becky Sasha was weird because, okay, Sasha wants to go get a chair. And they start selling you on, remember, she loved Eddie Guerrero, so she likes to cheat and steal and, you know, whatever his stupid phrase was. Except when she brings the chair in and then Becky accidentally uses the chair on the ref, they never explain to us, oh, yeah, match is being thrown out now. It's a disqualification. Usually when that happens, ring the bell right away. We have an idea. So Becky hits the official with the with the chair. Now Sasha and Becky have a, a great brawl, you know, great Pier 6 brawl, as they used to call it. They're going into the back. They're going up the, uh, the stairway in the arena. They're doing everything. It's fantastic. And then in the middle of it, they say, oh, yeah, by the way, this match was thrown out. Oh, yeah, by the way, it was a disqualification. By the way, I mean, can, can, can we have an idea a little bit earlier? They have a lot of that now. Uh, they're much, I don't know if it's disorganized. I don't know what it is. Or maybe they're trying to make it, I don't know if they're doing it on purpose. Are they doing it on purpose where it just feels disorganized? Oh, by the way, there's a disqualification now. I didn't like that. That pissed me off. I didn't like that. Maybe I didn't like it because it was occurring right as it became painfully obvious that the Mets were not going to take advantage of Dustin May putting a couple of guys on base and two men out, a one man out. Maybe that was the problem. Maybe I saw the Met offense just completely go to sleep after Brandon Nimmo's triple, and that's why the end of Lynch-Sasha Banks kind of pissed me off. Let's go to the top of the card. Uh, and when I say top of the card, I mean before the card even starts. So when I remembered, oh, yeah, there's Clash of Champions. I should put that on. I put it on my iPad at about 6.30 or 6.45. Whenever I remembered that the event was occurring, I don't remember the specific time. I just put it up there so I don't forget. And I look up, and AJ Styles is fighting in the undercard. I know, they call it the pre-show. The pre-show? AJ Styles. And I know there's been a lot of that recently because, hey, they only have three and a half hours, or and that's really how long they've gone. I mean, look at tonight. This event was three hours, 20 minutes, something like that. They didn't go the full four hours. So they only have a certain allotment of time, and they have so many guys on their roster, so many gals on the roster too, including the women's matches, that there are going to be top people left off. Okay, fine. AJ Styles? Yeah, I would rather see Nakamura Miz 
on the pre-show than AJ Styles. I'm going to take it a little further, and this is going to be sacrilegious, but I don't give a damn. I'd rather see stupid Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan on the pre-show than AJ Styles. Now, granted, he's fighting Cedric Alexander, who they're giving a little bit of a push to, but AJ Styles goes from a guy who was freaking champion for a year, is a Hall of Famer, to fighting on the freaking pre-show? So I was already in like a little bit of a, uh, should I even watch this special event? Maybe I should cancel the podcast. I should even do a podcast. But then I'm a sucker, so I did it anyway. The Bailey-Charlotte Flair thing was very, very strange. Not only was it quick, and not only did the ending come out of nowhere, but what are they doing here? So Bailey's a heel, and Charlotte's a face because they were in Charlotte. She's not really a face. You can't make Charlotte Flair a face because no one wants to like her. And I mean that with, of course, peace and love. She is a natural heel. So I'm thinking that the WWE basically said, we're going to sort of make Charlotte the face here anyway because it's in Charlotte. But I don't like Bailey as a heel. I don't like it. Now, I know they did a little bit of a, a chicken you-know-what ending where Bailey takes the turnbuckle pad off and she wins in that cheap way and then runs out of the ring. But th- there are some characters in wrestling that just don't fit being a heel. Or don't fit being a face. And I'm about to get to one who pretends to be a face who's not a face. But Bailey, I'm just not sold on her being a heel. I'm not sold on it. I guess this feud will continue. I guess they'll give you more Bailey Charlotte. But it was a very weird out of nowhere ending. Revival New Day I liked. Surprisingly, I liked Revival New Day because I like the fact that with Revival... They always stress how old school they are and how they like to work on certain body parts. They're like the brain busters. I like that. And they cut a nice promo after the tag match. They won, what is it, the SmackDown Tag Team titles? I mean, Jesus, there's so many freaking belts, I got a headache. I don't even know. And there's also no difference between Raw and SmackDown. And I want to get to that a little bit because it appears that there is going to be a difference between Raw and SmackDown with SmackDown going to Fox. Let me write that down that I want to talk about that. Because sometimes I say, I'll get to this, and then I don't get to it. So I'm going to get to this. I promise you. But Revival New Day wasn't half bad. The women's tag team title match, oh, my God. Uh, Who cares? I think the best part of that match was R-Truth running down and getting chased by everybody who wants the 24-7 title. In fact, I'm not even going to talk about Nikki Cross, Alexa Bliss against Fire and Desire. I want to talk about that 24-7 title. They ha- It's a nice concept, okay? Obviously, they're taking it from the hardcore title many years ago, and I think it's got a nice comedic tone to it, and it's a nice interlude during an event. I like the 24-7 title. Here is my one big critique they have to change. Enough of our truth they did that already. They've done the R-Truth shtick for so long now. Enough. Give me something different. So I would like to see R-Truth not continue to get chased all over the place, lose the 24-7 title, and just have it involve random people. It it seems like the whole thing is centered around R-Truth. But that was the most entertaining part of that tag team match. I just don't care. I, I apologize. Now, Nakamura Miz. Remember how I was saying there's a guy right now who acts like a face who's just not a face? Well, we present to you The Miz. The Miz is one of the great heels you'll ever see. He's one of the worst faces I've ever seen. I hate him as a face. When he has to rip his stupid robe off for it to say Charlotte is awesome, 
oh my god you're not a face if you have to just kiss ass to every city you know when mick foley was doing it it's almost as if it was a joke yeah it was kind of making fun of it the miz has to rip off a shirt that says charlotte is awesome So all of a sudden, let me get this straight. I I know it's pro wrestling, but let me get this straight. The Miz used to hate on every city he ever went to. Now, all of a sudden, he loves every city he goes to. And he doesn't need to be a face to do that reality show. Why does he have to be a face to do a reality show? It's pro wrestling. He is a natural born heel. And I'm glad Nakamura beat him. And I'm really glad. Really glad that they did this Sami Zayn broadcasting thing. I would have done that the entire match. I wouldn't have cut it out. He was kind of funny. He's dropping digs at the Carolina Panthers. (laughs) Now, look, sometimes to the opposite of pandering to a city, the ripping the city thing can be kind of annoying. But I don't know. This one was different. I sort of liked it. I sort of liked that. And then we got Kofi Kingston against Randy Orton. Thank God this feud is over. Oh, my God. So let me. So this feud was based on Randy Orton saying Kofi Kingston is stupid. That that's what this whole feud was based on. Based on a fake rivalry from 2009 that no one remembers. No one remembers it. They they got to show us highlights from 2009 to remind us. You know, Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton didn't like each other. I am so glad this feud is over. And. I'm curious where they go next with Kofi. We were talking before about how clearly Seth is going to get Bray Wyatt, and that's going to be cool. Well, Kofi's had the championship since WrestleMania, and he hasn't had a Brock Lesnar interlude. So I don't see the end for Kofi. I don't know where the end is coming from with Kofi. Maybe there is no end right now for Kofi. Maybe he will hold this title for a few months longer. But now we get a fresh opponent for Kingston, and we get to move on from Randy Orton. Now, this Roman Reigns thing, oh, my God. So every time I watch Raw and every time I watch SmackDown and even with this event tonight, how many times are they going to show us the clips that led up to this? I I feel as if I have seen the thing fall on Roman Reigns 411 times. I think I've seen that more than anything else. They keep showing it to us. They keep reminding us this stupid, stupid storyline that, I mean, where is it now? So Daniel Bryan's where? Is Daniel Bryan a face? Does Daniel Bryan exist? Now Eric Rowan's back with his former tag team partner. Great. Harper. What's his first name? Zach Harper. I think that guy covers the NBA. Harper. Okay, so they're back together? Cool. So they're, they were trying to kill Roman Reigns? Is that, is, that, is that where we're going here? This is almost as bad as Rikishi. I did it for you, Rock. Remember that? Who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> and it turned out to be Rikishi. And they knew that it was so bad right out of the get-go. When they revealed that Rikishi was the guy that ran over Austin, they knew it was so bad they quickly had to move on and somehow say, nah, it was really Triple H. No, no, no. It was really Triple H. He ordered Rikishi to do it. But at least from that storyline, we got that Rikishi. I did it for you, Rock. I did it for you, Rock. <laughs> at least we got that. This storyline sucks. Oh, my God. And when they first did it and we talked about it, it had potential. I wasn't sure where it was going. I thought, I mean, I guess I thought it was going to lead to Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, and maybe it eventually will. 
I don't know. I don't know where it's going anymore. And sometimes I don't know is a good thing. And sometimes I don't know means they don't know. I don't think they know where it's going. I think that they have said to themselves, okay, Roman Reigns is one of our biggest stars, but we really want to keep him away from the championship for as long as we possibly can. And so they're coming up with something to keep you intrigued, except this one was just over the top. And where is it going? I think a Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns feud would be cool. Remember, we had them uh, fight that match a month before WrestleMania 31 because they wanted to get Roman over. Roman won the Rumble. No one liked it. He fought Daniel Bryan at, I think it was a fast lane pay-per-view. So, I mean, it's been a while, and there really wasn't much of a feud there. It was a one-off match for Daniel Bryan's opportunity to get to WrestleMania to fight Brock Lesnar. So I think it'd be cool if we get something, and maybe we will. I just don't know how the hell they're getting there. I don't know where it's going. Now, a couple of things, because I think I pretty much covered the show, which was, eh, it was okay. I mean, considering I forgot it existed at 6.45 tonight, and considering it was mostly a, hey, we're just trying to fill these months, it's football season, no one's really watching, no one really cares. I didn't think it was that bad. I think it was the worst. There were a couple of good matches. But they've got this big SmackDown moving to Fox thing coming. And one thing, and I don't know what SmackDown on Fox is going to be like. I don't like Friday night. I don't think Friday night is a good TV night at all. The other reason I don't like Friday, just like I didn't like Thursday, is when you have a special event or a pay-per-view on a Sunday, I think by the time you get to Thursday or Friday, you kind of lost the momentum. You know, if this was a great event tonight, if this was a WrestleMania-esque event, and SmackDown had a lot of people I was drawn in by, by the time I got to Thursday and Friday, I don't know, it it would kind of feel gone. So I don't love the fact that it's off of Tuesday night. I've actually enjoyed the last couple of years of Raw and SmackDown being back-to-back nights. Okay, so that's a little bit of a disappointment. But they are clearly going to split the rosters again. And this time, they're not going to have a wild card rule. And I think they have to because I'm sure that's what Fox wants. So they're promoting an actual draft, which is different than a lottery. So I am drawn in by how they're going to do it. But, boy, I'll tell you, this brand extension over the last few years, it's as if they can't decide what the hell they want. They can't decide. First, they give us the brand extension and separate pay-per-views, which I actually like. I wasn't against that. The reason I liked it is because... You're not forced to have AJ Styles on a pre-show. I think you have enough competitors and enough storyline time to where I I think there could be a Raw-only event or a SmackDown-only event, but clearly they don't want to do that, and that's fine. Whatever. Just giving you my opinion. I I didn't think it was that terrible. But is this going to be, for the first time in how many years ever, SmackDown becoming the A-show? Because it is on Fox. Because there is so much money invested in it. And if it is going to be the A-show, how do you make it the A-show? We are so accustomed to Monday night being the night. We're not drawn in by Friday. SmackDown's moved all over the place during its illustrious history. Thursday night, Tuesday night, Friday night, Friday night, Tuesday, all over the place. Monday Night Raw is Monday Night Raw. So I don't think you can just say this is the A-show and then boom, it's the A-show. History has made Raw the A-show. But there is going to be a draft, which leads me to believe they are going to actually keep the rosters very, very exclusive. So that's something to look forward to. And I guess our next event is Hell in a Cell. And speaking of Hell in a Cell, uh, me and Dennis 
has a podcast, Dennis, who has joined me many times on wrestling retrospectives. I put him to work. He is rewatching as I am before I go to bed, you know, every once in a while, every Hell in a Cell match ever orchestrated in the WWE outside of the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So before we got the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view where they force Hell in a Cell matches, we're going back to all 18 Hell in a Cell matches. All the way back from Bad Blood 1997 and more recently, WrestleMania 32, which was after the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view became a thing, but it was a special Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania 32 between Undertaker and Shane McMahon. There are 18 Hell in a Cells. We are going to rewatch them, and we are going to have a Hell in a Cell retrospective, baby. Excited? You excited? That will be dropping on October 2nd. But there's another wrestling podcast dropping in just a couple of days. AEW. We'll talk all about it. I watched the pay-per-view. My thoughts on that, where it goes from here, and how it can compete with the WWE. That will drop on Wednesday, September 18th. But thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast, where I did a, a fairly good job of avoiding the pain I am in over the Met loss to the Dodgers on Sunday night. And the glee I'm in that my fantasy team has advanced to the finals to take on the tag team of Brian Monzo and Chris McMonagall. Monzo, of course, the fine producer of the Mics On Radio program. I wish them the best of luck as we battle for the big gold belt. Anyhow, thanks for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.